Welcome to The Big Deal with Glenn Ferris, Episode 9. I'm Glenn Ferris, and on today's podcast, I chat with Jessica Rogers, who is the City of Denton's Director of Economic Development. And Jessica and I talk about her navigation of employment at the City of Denton quite a bit. And I love this one because kind of as she was coming up through the ranks, I'd always heard of her from some friends that were on staff and kind of always saw her name because she was the public information officer. And it was kind of cool to retrace those steps. And we get into a fascinating story about her first day as the City of Denton public information officer, which happened to be the day that the whole town almost burned down the day after Christmas a couple of years ago. Literal trial by fire. Fascinating. Thanks to everyone who came out to the Varus Commercial Tailgate at Apogee last Saturday. And I got there a little late with Alyssa. Had some scheduled priority stuff that day that kept me from being there. But when we got there, it was going full speed. Looked awesome. Everyone was having a great time. Got a chance to run into some great folks, which was great. Looked like a good crowd. And what a game. UNT dominated that one. So... Uh, the game this Saturday, September 7th, it's against the SMU My Little Pony Patrol. And the game starts at 6 p.m. And there's a ton of ways to watch it. And uh, I'd encourage you to go down and drive down there and join the Sea of Green. And it's looking like it's going to be a very exciting season for the Mean Green. Get out there and support them. And if you can't be there, uh, check out the broadcast on 88.1 The One. Check out Hank Dickinson and Dave Barnett calling the game. I love that. I've got a soft spot for the radio broadcast. And we talk about that on the episode with Hank, which is episode six, a couple of episodes back. Check it out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking. Thanks for the comments and questions. I love it. Check out the website, glennferriscommercial.com. Check out my Twitter, at Glenn Ferris. Check out Facebook, Glenn Ferris, Ferris Commercial. And all the pretty pictures go up on Instagram at Glenn Ferris. And today we've got Jessica Rogers. She's awesome. We had a great conversation where I learned a ton about her history and just how dedicated she is in her position at the city of Denton as the director of economic development. She got placed in that post after a very, very dear friend, Caroline Booth, passed away suddenly and tragically this year. Uh, We get into that, and as sad as it was to kind of bring that up and to not have Caroline around and just all the things that come with that, all those memories, uh, we really had a a sweet moment just to sit and talk about her and what a giant in the community she was. And it was tough to talk about, but I'm glad we got there, and I'm glad that I get to share that with everyone. So glad to talk about Jessica's perspective on all of it. It was really good. Glad we did that. It was a great talk, and I hope you enjoy it. What was it about? About um, renewable energy. That's exciting. Oh, with DME? Yeah, when I was with DME. Okay. Talked about solar panels. Yeah. (laughs) Don't don't ask me anything about solar panels. Riveting. (laughs) So, how's your Monday going? (laughs) It's a Monday. Typical Monday. It's a typical Monday. Well, Mondays are kind of busy for you because you're kind of preparing for Tuesday, right? Getting ready for Tuesday, um, city council day. Yeah. I have not a lot of things on the agenda tomorrow, but... that's good. 
I have one thing, so I do have to. What's your one thing? Is it? We have the nominations for the Economic Development Partnership oh. Board tomorrow night. So yeah. it's pretty simple. I just have to hang around at City Hall for 13, 14 hours before they get to it and make your nomination. And then, <laughs> and yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pretty much no fireworks on that one. Everyone's going to be like, or you can't tell. <laughs> I would assume so. I would assume no fireworks. You never so. know, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? All over. All over Texas. Yeah, but like Texas. And, yeah. Yes. Um, so I was born in Temple. Then we lived in Amarillo, Waco, Corpus Christi, and then to the thriving metropolis of Rogers, Texas. And I spent no connection. Though. No connection. No, okay. Not related to anyone that founded the town that I'm aware of. So why'd you move around? Was it a. Uh... My dad worked for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Okay. And so as he would get promoted through the ranks, he started as a highway patrol officer. And as he would get promoted, he would switch locations. And so we would pack up and move every three years. And it was a lot of fun as a kid because I got to go to new schools and make new friends. And I was this like gregarious, outgoing kid. And so I loved it. <laughs> it was great. So what? Uh, he was in a like a patrol car like he was when I was really little but okay. by the time that I was kind of like in elementary school he was in like a normal car he was more administrative than, oh, okay gotcha than police officers so. so he's the guy that gave you a ticket he he did he did for a while so sorry to anyone out there that got a ticket from him um he was a stickler for the rules too so I guess I mean you kind of have to be if you that's your job. Yeah, and yeah. he he wasn't the type that he was going to let you off with a warning. He was going to give you the ticket. Did um, they have a quota? Did you know about a quota? He or? didn't. No, okay. there's no quota. No quota. Okay. But he was he was rules guy. Even and so imagine growing up when you were learning how to drive, your dad being a police officer. Oh, wow. That's some pressure. <laughs> and so yeah, there were a lot of <laughs> there were a lot of yeah. tears and yelling yeah. and. Uh, but it was fun. I mean, was good. and safe. And safe. And still to this day, I do not speed. Like, I am terrified of speeding. But, I am that person that people hate driving down the interstate because I am going 69.7 miles per hour. Yeah. Not, and like, it, I just can't, tra- can't change that about me. It's ingrained in me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are you a 10 and 2? 10 and 2. There we go. The seat is up fully upright <laughs> yeah. and safe. Everyone in the vehicle has their seatbelt on. Yeah. Everything is secured. That's awesome. Yes. That's that's it's, that's really cool actually. I'm the same way. Um, and like I'm going to get after my wife a little bit. She does the when she turns, she puts her hand on the inside of the wheel and I'm like, "No, babe. No, no it's no, not that's, safe." That's totally unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah i'm a i'm a stickler for the rules no, too to, yeah. for me it's a it's kind of a game it's like let's play the safety game right. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah i knew all kinds of weird things growing up not too many kids you know have this experience so my dad would have these giant binders of like code traffic code the manual of uniform traffic control devices was in our house like on our bookshelves where normal people probably had like dr seuss books or something and so i would go and like open it up and learn all about the colors of signs and (laughs) the color of paint on on roads and what it meant and so it was a pretty goofy experience but do you think any of that 
uh, rubbed off on you, like the institutional job kind of rubbed off on you? Because you got interested in administration at the government level pretty early, right? I mean, yeah, I think both of my parents. So my mom worked, um, she was like a teacher's aide and a substitute teacher. So she worked in schools. And then my dad, being a police officer, um, really just my whole life was around these public institutions. It was around government and schools and administration. And so it's really all I knew. Yeah. Um, and so growing up, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. That's well, that's not true. I knew what I wanted to be, but it, it was want I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Hell yeah. That's all I wanted to be. Um <laughs> I thought that I was going to be, you know, yeah. Mia Ham. That's who I was, Brandy Chastain. That's what I wanted to do. And I went to a school that was um, a school for ants, to quote Zoolander. Um, it <laughs> T- was very, it was a tiny school. There was no soccer team. Oh, and so I learned really quickly that I wasn't going to be a professional soccer player. And uh, did you do sports going into college or anything? Or no, just in high school. Okay. And then went off to college but that's what I wanted to be but I was that still was su- yeah surrounded that by all it. of these public yeah things and it just of course made its way into my career so where'd you go to college I went to Texas A&M University uh whoop I feel like I have to do that it's official now is that their that's yeah, their thing right it. yeah whoop. um what it is was, that from? Is that just like a football thing or is it a... No, that's just it's pride. Just an it's just thing. It's a thing that we do. We acknowledge each other. We're, you know, yeah. we're, it's they, fun. They got some traditions. It's a lot there. of traditions. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, my sister went there. Uh, my aunt went there. A lot okay. of my family went there. And so I was excited to go there. My parents also told me that if I, I went to UT, I had to live at home. And I was like terrified to live at home. <laughs> You're like, no, thank you. So I went to Texas A&M because I didn't have to live at home. And it was great. It was just the most fun experience. I, I'm i a total nerd. Like, I loved school. Like, yeah. I was so sad when I had to be done with school. <laughs> you were done, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's, yeah, that was fun. And then after that, I went to Indiana University. So I went, I say, from a football school to a basketball school. Went to the Midwest. The Huskers, is it? No. What are they? What are they? (laughs) The Hoosiers. The Hoosiers. Yeah. Where did I get Huskers from? (laughs) I don't know. What? Okay, well, explain this to me. What is a Hoosier? What is that? It's someone from Indiana is my best explanation. That's all they got, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Were you in the battle? Well, were you like, did you follow the team when you were there? Or that was, uh, were you there for grad school? I was there for grad school. So we didn't have a ton of time to have a huge social life but i did go to some indiana football games okay and i went to one basketball game only one only one there was a movie made about that there know? was a right there Gene they're Hackman. famous yeah. for the for and, basketball uh, dennis hopper yeah was the <laughs> make them shoot from the cheap seats i think but, was a line from that movie yeah i watched a lot of it because it was a round <laughs> and on everything um but it was, i mean it was fun it was a different experience being outside of texas getting to know another state having a fall it was wonderful oh it's beautiful up there and yeah it was and great. you had a choice between a couple of schools you had like a I did well what were the schools you had like an east coast one so, a west coast one and then one in the middle there right yeah so i had 
kind of no idea what I after the whole professional soccer player thing didn't work out. Didn't work out. Yeah. Didn't yeah. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> moved on to Plan B, um, and I didn't know where I wanted to go to school. So I applied to schools all over the country. I applied to the University of Washington in Seattle. I applied to um, George Mason in Virginia. Applied to um, North Carolina State and to Indiana, and then of course to Texas A and M. And I got into all of them and had to then you know I was like I'm not going to get into all of them. This will be easy. I'll get into one or two and I'll pick and it'll be fine. Um, got into all of them and decided to go to Indiana. I went and visited a bunch of them, and I just fell in love with the campus and the community. And it was just the most gorgeous city. I remember I was coming from College Station, which College Station's a lot of fun, but it's it's not always super pretty and green and lush. And Bloomington was in this forest and the limestone yeah. buildings. It just has a very grand feeling to it. And so I just loved it. And it, it's so Midwest. And it, I mean, it kind of oozes yeah. Midwest, I think. Yeah, it, it just, and it felt very homey. And it was a great mix of, because I was older being in grad school, it was a great mix of like still things that were fun to do, but also there was a lot of benefits for people who were young professionals and young adults who were coming into their own and starting in their first jobs. And just, it was wonderful. And it reminds me so much of Denton because it has this beautiful square with all these activities yeah. and restaurants and concerts and a huge music scene and a huge kind of festival scene. And so it reminds me all the time of, of or Denton reminds me of Bloomington all the time. So were you aware of Denton before you went to Bloomington? No. Okay, so you kind of got the, okay, this is what a square looks like. This is what a small town looks like when you got to Denton. Yes. Like, okay, And that was kind of the same thing with me. So I went to school yeah. at Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, which is like a suburb of, not suburb, it's a city. They claim cityness over suburbanness, right. I guess, much like Denton. But same thing, square, small town, small community, college town. So when I got here, I was like, oh, I've been, I totally get this. I know what's going on here. Like mom and pop shops, mm -hmm. all that stuff. That's what it was like in Bloomington. I loved, I worked a little bit off the square and we would go always go walk and have lunch on the square and go to the different shops and the coffee shops or um, there was an old theater even. And so when I came to Denton for the first time, I was like, "This seat, did someone pick up Bloomington and just drop it in Texas? That's what it felt like. Um, so I, I just fell in love with Denton kind of naturally. For, What's for funny is when you're in that environment, I think for the first time, you can very easily believe there's no place like this. There couldn't be something this quaint and perfect and and then you walk into Denton and it's like, oh yeah, here's another one. <laughs> I do, I don't, you probably aren't gonna get this reference because you're not a female and the show was directed at female, a female audience, but it reminds me of Gilmore Girls. Yeah. <laughs> does your wife watch She it? does, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're on the third watching. Third, yeah. It, we're three times through. That's, 
Rory. Yes. Is that her name? Yes. And uh, her mom. Right. But it yeah. reminds me of this, <laughs> like, kind of these quirky places where there are characters where you can walk downtown and yeah, you know. It's a coffee shop. It's a coffee shop. There's a you, school over there. We right. go to school. Yeah. <laughs> and you we know, go to the festival, the pumpkin patch. The, all right. That. Yeah. And so <laughs> the first time my family came up, I remember my parents and my sister were coming up for Wassel Fest and I was trying to explain it yeah, to them. I was like, like we're going to go around and drink Wassel yeah. that everyone is making. It's like unbelievable. Almost. And they're like, what? And now they come every year because it's such a attraction and it's yeah. such a fun thing and it's so unique and special. And so we, we all get to partake in it. It's great. It's kind of cool. You think that nothing exists like where you came from, but the tangible community here is so much more i don't know what the term is but it's so much more you can show up here and find a group of people that are really into that thing that you do a little easier than i think anywhere else and that i've ever been and i'm you know i've kind of been i feel like i've been in a lot of different cities lived in you know boston new york nashville but nothing reminds me of like the way denton is so when did you get to denton I came in February of 2015. Oh, wow. So you've only been here a few years. Only a few years. Oh, my gosh. It feels like home, though. Like, that's the craziest thing thing. about Denton is I have moved around so much. I've moved around, um, you know, move around growing up. I've moved around in my adult life, and I got here, and within six months i was like it feels like home and i had friends and i had people and i had you know a life that i don't know that i could have had other places so quickly yeah it just clicked and it's easy to assimilate yes and everyone's from someplace else and from here and you just sort of mesh together and it's it's really special and i actually had this conversation with someone not too long ago or said the greatest asset in this community is how much everybody loves it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter when they got here, whether you're like me and you've been here four years or you've been here your whole life, people love this community. Yeah. The passion for this community is, I, I have never seen it anywhere else that I've lived. It's insane. It's, it's insane in like the most wonderful way. Yeah. But it's also the greatest city on earth. So absolutely. <laughs> this is the greatest city on earth. I mean, and that's kind of part of it is like there's, and that's what I love about being here is and promoting the city is there's so much pride and Mm -hmm. just, I mean, and the best part about it is there's almost nothing special about it except we're going to out pride everyone else. Like we will take you to the map Bloomington on just sheer pride. We don't even have the good weather here. Right. But our town's better. Our know? weather is wonderful <laughs> in Denton. Oh, it's beautiful here. If yeah. you're listening and wanting to come here, come on. <laughs> the water's fine. It's not 105 degrees outside. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's, you know, in this, this summer hasn't been as bad as it could have oh. been. It could always be worse. Right. <laughs> That's what we keep telling ourselves. It kind ourselves. of grows on you, though. I mean, after having lived in Washington, D.C. and in Indiana, coming back to Texas, I thought it was going to be really hard you lived in dc i lived in dc too what was that like uh also hot um yeah and swampy i mean it's like very yeah humid. really really humid yeah. um 
I loved DC. It was so Super fascinating. Cool. Yeah. It was such a cool place to get to be and be a part of. What'd you and do there? What were you, what so were you up to? So I, I had um, a slight victory lap in college because, you know, I loved school and I didn't want to leave and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I had to finish one class. I'm, this is my parents will kill me probably for telling them this because this may not have been the story that they were told. <laughs> but I had one class to You're finish. Lucky. Nobody listens to this yet. So okay. We're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go on. Literally finished my senior year of college, and I intentionally don't take the last class that I need to finish. <laughs> I was like, how can I stretch this out for one more year? You really love school. I really loved, loved school. It. And I just didn't know. I was so lost. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, yeah. And I was on this. I was going to decision. Yeah, I was yeah. going to go to law school and then I was not going to go to law school. And then I was going <laughs> to get my PhD in history because I loved history. And then I was not going to do that. And right? <laughs> no, yeah. I just couldn't. How do I do more school? <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. And I couldn't figure out in my mind a, a way to make it work. And so I was like, all right, I have this one class left to text to left. So I've bought myself one semester. Yeah. And then I just happened to find out about this internship program that AM had called the Public Policy Internship Program. And you got to do a semester either in DC or in Austin. And it was just like, well, I'm going in the fall, so I can't go to Austin because the legislature's not in session. So I'm guess I'm going to DC. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't I didn't know anything about public policy. I really wasn't that active like in politics or anything at that age and I was like I, sure, why yeah. not? I'm going to sign up for this <laughs> and hope for the best and I got it. And was I it was competitive. It or? was super competitive. Oh man, that's cool. And I got placed at the Department of State, which was even more competitive. And so I had to go through and get security like, clearances. Like and the Pentagon? No, <laughs> that's defense. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there it goes. No. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, at the Department of State, um, at the time, Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of oh, okay, State. Okay, those guys. Okay, that's yeah, right. Yeah, okay. and so I worked Top in... secret clearance. <laughs> yeah, did you I, have to fill out the, the I, whole form? Of I like had to fill out the form. Everything that you've everything ever you've done. Everything you've ever done. Ever. Everyone wow. you've ever, every place you've ever lived. People, a reference for every every location you lived. A reference for every job you've had. So we're going to go ahead and uh, get that form. <laughs> so is there anything you need to come clean about right now? <laughs> it was a... I, I was a very, I loved school. Remember oh, that? Yeah. I loved school. I was, boring. it was yeah. a very boring form. Pl- played of- beer pong in 07. Probably <laughs> was your, the highlight yeah. of your, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't think so. At that point, it was more like maybe got a B <laughs> on one history test. And I had to confess that. Oh no. Um, but I applied, got this internship going to work at the state department and I was like, okay, so I've bought myself now two semesters. So Hillary Clinton was your boss. She she was my boss. In fact, oh one my time, gosh, that's so cool. Uh, she was, you know, my about sixteen layers of, you right, know, yeah. between me and her. You're the intern, but 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 I did run into her in the hallway one time. Um, which I thought was like the it was like my Leslie Note moment. I was like freaking out, and I was just 
became I, again i was a nerd so you know someone else like bono was walking through me it was like the secretary of state um and i was freaking out and i was like this is so cool i think i'm gonna go into politics did you play it cool were you like all right be cool be i totally cool. i did i totally <laughs> did <laughs> be cool um, and so I, yeah, but that was it. Like, I, I mean, I was sold. And at the so time, she just walked by though. I mean, she just yeah, walked by just and walked it really by. didn't okay. matter. I was going to say, and at the time, like I didn't have any, anything involved in politics. I was not engaged at all. Yeah. Well, that's it was not just really... somebody I was, I saw on TV and yeah. I thought it was just so cool. And it was the same. So I had friends in the program that were in, um, working for congressmen or for senators' offices. Right, and yeah. so, like, one of my good friends in the program was at um, FEMA. And, like, we would, like, walk. She'd be like, the director of FEMA, like, walked by my cubicle today. I was like, I know. <laughs> it's so cool. Or we went to, um, oh, gosh, I guess it was Senator Cornyn's office one time. And it was like, oh, my gosh, like, we yeah. just met. Like, it was, we were just these political nerdy kids running around yeah. D.C. And what's crazy is, when you go over there and start talking with like the staffers, the staffers are all like 22, 23. You're just like, oh my gosh, the kids run the world. <laughs> it's like true. It's all, it's all kids. It's all kids getting paid like nothing yeah. to run the world. I mean, we got <laughs> we got paid nothing as, yeah. as interns, literally nothing. And um, it was also a lot of fun though, because I kind of found, again, like family, because I found all of these other kids who were also... Right. nerdy yeah and yeah yeah like dc is like, like new york city for the driven nerdy right. type right yeah. and so i started just kind of asking people questions like how did you get where you are yeah. what did you do and i mean the answers were usually i went to law school or i got my mpa and it was like cool i don't want to go to law school we've been down that path i don't want to go to law school yeah so I was like, what is this MPA thing? And I just kept talking to people and I was like, it kind of sounds really fun because yeah. I really didn't want to be really quickly. It came into, I really didn't want to be in politics. I, I didn't like that. I really liked. But you liked the public service. Part I liked of it. the yeah. public service part of it. I liked yeah. the, the project management, the doing something part right. of it, feeling like, okay, someone else kind of figures out what to do and let me figure out how to do it like the problem solving aspect of it i really liked it wait but hang on let me back up you could do that uh, almost any that's i mean you described any corporate job out there <laughs> right what, it, it is what the, was it about like the public part of it that attracted you i think it was you know having grown up in a household where both my parents were sort of in that public realm sure and it also just was this feeling like I want to help people. Yeah. And I mean, corporate jobs are, are great and they do help a lot of people, but I felt like there was almost something that I wanted to do that was more than that. Like bigger. Bigger than that. Be, in, be a part of something that was making a difference. And I didn't really know how to articulate it because I didn't know that there were these, you know, government types of jobs. And then after working in the federal government, I realized that I didn't like being so far removed from the people that I was helping. And I wanted to be closer to it. I wanted to be really at a level where I was talking to people directly 
and not through 16 layers of bureaucracy. And so once I got into a program, I went straight to the local government track and that's what I was going to do and haven't looked back. So had you, so you got to Denton by way of you just, they thought you were on monster.com <laughs> and there was an opening or how, how no. did you, did you throw a dart? <laughs> didn't throw a dart. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm sure they have a government there. Uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, pretty much you could work anywhere, right? Yeah. You, there's a government anywhere, um, city, county, township, school district, something. Yeah. There's a government everywhere. Um, I was in the Houston area. I was working for a community um, south of Houston where my family had relocated to. So when I was coming back from Indiana, I was trying to make the transition back to Texas okay. easy. What community um, was it? So the city of Dickinson. Okay. Which, I grew up in spring. So yeah. Houston so area. opposite, you know, so about an hour and yeah. a half apart from each other. No, I think it's more like two hours now. <laughs> I mean, it's way down there. Yeah, it's, it's like it's League, close to Galveston. League yeah, City. League City, Friendswood area, Texas so City, Texas City. Yeah. yeah, and so I was. It's tiny too. It's like, how, yeah. how many people? Uh, twenty thousand people. So there's uh, a crazy story how I ended up there. It's too. Basically, my high school. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> In this, you know, all of my stories that I've been telling how I've made all of these very intentional decisions in my life, um, we had to do an internship in grad school. So here I am again. I got to go get an internship. Um, And my family was moving to Houston. And I just started cold calling like every city close to them. And I called uh, the assistant city manager of Sugarland. Her name was Karen Daly. I mean, literally found her number online, picked up the phone, called her and said, hey, I'm coming. My family lives there. I'm an MPA student. You don't have to pay me. I was on a fellowship, so I had like a stipend. I'll come work for free for three months. I just need you to sign a sheet of paper saying that I did this internship. And she was like, cool. Come on. <laughs> come it. work for yeah. me. <laughs> That's awesome. Sugarland. That's right. Cool. Yeah. So I did not work in Sugarland. Um, because she calls me back the next day and she says, I have a friend who's city manager in this city, Dickinson, and it's a smaller city. She's like, I can go get interns. I have a, you know, I have a bigger, Sugarland's a much bigger city. She's like, so I have some resources. I can go get an intern. Why don't you call my friend? Her name is Julie. She's in this little town, Dickinson. It ended up being right next to where my parents were moving and so, yeah, also, you know, got to stay with my parents for the summer at 23. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> Culture shock. Right yeah. There. yeah. Um, and so that, and so I called up this other city manager and said, hey, got your name from Karen. She said, you could use help. I'm here. I'm going to be here. You can hire me or not hire me. And she was like, okay, you come on. And that was probably the single most monumental thing that ever happened in my career that was the biggest deal didn't, for you right there didn't know at the time you know i had no idea what i was walking into i've never had a job working for a city before and to this day that city the both of those city managers karen daly and julie robinson are two of my greatest mentors have guided my career have been there on bad days and on good days check in with me i mean it's the most amazing decision that was really, I looked up a phone number on Google. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Random phone call. Random phone cold, call. A uh, cold call, too. A cold just, call. Hey, just picked up the phone and called. You don't know me, but I'm going to come work for you. <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of conversations in my life have been, you don't know me, but you know, I'm, what do you got? Let me do it. Yeah. You, you, let's, uh, Greg said this to me the other day, like you're never going to hit the ball if you don't step up to the plate. Right. So exactly. It's that just, same thing. Just put it out there. But you, I mean, you have the background to be confident showing up in a brand new city. So you've done it before. You did mm-hmm. it in Bloomington. You did it in DC. You mm-hmm. figured it out. You were fine. And now you're in Dickinson. What right. do you do in Dickinson? You show up first day. You're you're making coffee for people, or like, what's your what's your role there? So I was assigned. They at, the, Julie asked me. She goes, "What do you What do you know?" And I said, "Well, I took a class in revenue forecasting this last semester, and I really liked it." Nerd, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm riveting stuff. Right. I was like, I really liked it. And she said, well, it's the summertime. And what did every city do in the summer is they do their budget. Right. Yeah. And so I got to work with the director of finance and do the revenue forecasting for, for Dickinson, for Dickinson, Texas. Um, and that was what I did all summer was fill in spreadsheets and calculate numbers and formulas and all of those things so you probably got a little more hands-on experience because you were in little dickinson as opposed to if you went into some big giant city with a multi-trillion dollar budget you would have been making coffee right but instead you were like working with the finance director i would yeah my office was like in the finance director's office because it was so small like there was nowhere else for me to go. I kind of had awesome. a desk in the hallway, like right outside her door. And that was it. And like, I couldn't move without interrupting <laughs> everyone else's business. But that's what I did is I sat in the hallway at my desk. Um, there were two of us, actually, one of the actual employees and me shared a space in the hallway. Um, and that's where we worked and getting after it. And it was great because everyone there I had access to anyone. So I got to be talk to the public works director, talk to the police chief, talk to the finance director, talk to community development, and just be involved in everything. And before the summer was over, they offered me a job. And so my second year of grad school, I actually worked remotely for the city of Dickinson while I was also working for the Bloomington Economic Development Corporation in Bloomington and going to grad school. So my second year of grad school was a little crazy. That's a lot. It was a lot. So you were still in Bloomington technically at this time. I was still in Bloomington. So you came down, did the summer, and then you went back up to Bloomington to wrap it up. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And I couldn't extend it. They don't couldn't like you it. couldn't you couldn't extend that one. They were gonna be like, yeah. No, you need to graduate. Try as you did. Right. Could, not, could not could not extend more school. Couldn't go to school anymore. Without being a doctor. I right. Guess, yeah. yeah. And so went and then went back to Dickinson when I finished school and went back to work and worked in the city manager's office as a management analyst, I think was my title at the time. Um, and then as has happened many times in my career, an opportunity kind of came up and I said, Hey, give me a chance. <laughs> and 
you know, if it doesn't work great, um, the finance director resigned and I said, well, I can do it. Yeah. I know that spreadsheet. I can do that spreadsheet. Yeah. And so got the job and just worked in finance. And then, um, interesting thing about me is that I like to talk a lot and found out really quickly that being in an office with a spreadsheet probably wasn't going to be the long-term career choice that fit my personality. Kind of drove you nuts. Kind of drove me nuts a little bit. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to explore new things. I wanted to move on. So after about three and a half years, I kind of started going, where else can I go? Yeah. And I started just applying for jobs and, you know, kudos to the city manager I was working for then. She said, I have a friend who's a city manager in Denton, Texas. Would you be interested in it? Who was it? And curious. so Julie Cam- Julie knew George Campbell from professional organizations. And she was like, I know George has a position. Would you be interested? So I applied and I interviewed and got the job here and came up to Denton. That's awesome. And the first time I came to Denton was the day that I interviewed. And it was like 15 degrees here. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. It was so cold the day that I came and interviewed. I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it because it's never cold in Houston. Yeah, it's North Texas. It and gets everyone cold up kept here. saying, you just came from Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, it was so cold. And that, I mean, that's it. It's just been a lot of. What was the job you applied for and got with uh, George? And George I'm, Campbell was the, the previous, previous city manager. City manager. Yep. Uh, he left two years ago or three years ago. Three, I think two, two and a half, something like that. Yeah. Um, I was the assistant to the city manager. So I came in and got to work on. Oh, you were his assistant. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I came in and got to work on all kinds of things, which it's really a fun position because people outside of the local government world, it really has kind of a misnomer. The assistant to the city manager, not always an assistant in the classical sense of the world word. I kind of had projects that were my own. I was the project manager. It was things that um, didn't really fall in a department of the city, special projects, city council related things, um, some cross like functional teams, a lot of project management. And it was, it's a position that's designed to help people who, who want to learn a kind of comprehensively about city government. Yeah. And so, and so the city manager's office falls under the executive branch of our city government am i reading that correctly i mean that's yeah not right it's it's like the executive yeah because there are the uh in our i think we're described as a strong city manager formation of government to where you have like the city manager's executive branch and the council including the mayor Mm -hmm. is the legislative branch basically because they're the elected elected folks the elected folks pick the city manager Right. So we operate under council manager form of government. So council manager. Yeah, yeah council yeah, manager. That's what it is. Yeah. And so the city council hires the city manager, but the city manager is actually anyone kind of below him. Works he is, for him. works for him. And yeah. he's kind of the more like the CEO right. of the city and he right. and the council is sort of the board of directors and they set the policy and they kind of give the direction but the day-to-day operations is left in the hands of of the city manager right the administrative power right. is in, underneath the city manager so right. you actually 
as opposed to being like, well, that doesn't really make sense. But if like the council doesn't like hire and fire anybody, but the city manager, city attorney, and then Denton, the city auditor. Mm-hmm. And the municipal judge. I did not know that. The yeah. municipal judge. Yes. That's a new one. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Did not know that. Yep. Um, but it's different depending on what community you're in. Right. So. Everyone's charter is yep. a little tweaked and a little mm-hmm. different and all that. So yep. you were, well, okay, when you came on with George, you walk in first day of work. What are some of the big issues? What are some of the big projects you're working on? So I, my uh, position at the time, I was helping with all kinds of things like public information. So I was the backup PIO for the city. Um, I also worked on our intergovernmental relations team. So I was doing a lot of legislative work um, and advocacy type of things. So you talked with Austin. Talked to, yeah, talked to state representatives, talked to, you know, county representatives, and then just all kinds of things that came through um, that were projects that were council initiatives or the mayor's projects. Um, things, like I said, that didn't really fall anywhere. It was, it was kind of no one else's job. So it became my job. And I mean, that's fun. It's fun to get to do that and get your hands in everything. And we, I did everything from work on like our, uh, meet and confer negotiations, which are like police and fire civil service, Mm -hmm things collective bargaining collective bargaining types of things Mm -hmm. um so i got to work on that and then i would switch gears and i would go work on like downtown parking issues (laughs) and so or um do you really want to talk about downtown parking? i don't want to (laughs) because we can no i I, I, this is an actual story because people know how i feel about downtown parking it's non-issue. Because I moved here from Boston. Right. You want to talk about a t- parking problem? Live in a city that was not built with cars in mind. Right. <laughs> you know? But I will say this to anyone who complains about downtown parking is that I have single-handedly counted every single parking space. Wow. In That's the awesome. downtown core. How many are there? How many are there? I have no idea, but there's a spreadsheet. Find, find there's a spreadsheet. Show me that spreadsheet. That's awesome. So I will say that we have a lot of parking. There's a lot of parking spaces. There's always a parking spot. You yeah. might have to walk a block, but welcome to the greatest city on earth. <laughs> right. To be here, you might have to walk a block. You know, that's what I tell people. Yeah. I've never seen an amazing place that didn't have a quote in the air parking problem. It's a good problem to have. It's a great problem. So I was, <laughs> I was in a pilot point the other day, not to rag on pilot point, but I'm going to for a second. Look, and we were downtown, beautiful downtown, beautiful square. And I was down there kind of getting the tour and looking at some buildings and talking with folks. We pulled up and we had our pick of just about any parking spot. And it was like a Thursday afternoon. And I kept thinking to myself, got a lot of parking here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, we don't have that problem. Anyways, parking. So what was your favorite issue that you worked on? In, in that era of your job here, didn't what was your what did you really dig into? What did you like? I don't 
don't know that because you liked working with the people so there there must have been something that you were mixing it up with the folks yeah i worked on there was a group that we had together called the denton together coalition which was like a group of a bunch of different stakeholders from the universities from police departments from lulac from naacp from nctc that we would you know, get together and kind of talk about the cultural and social issues around Denton and how we can really make a difference. And I thought that was fascinating. Um, but for me, the the most interesting thing at that time is there were lots of things happening in Denton that were kind of in progress before I got here, right. like the fracking issue. And so that was my kind of you know, not that Dickinson was boring. Nothing about my job there was boring, but nothing to that level ever happened there while I was there. Now Dickinson has a kind of is known now because of Hurricane Harvey and there were things that happened there, you know, very <laughs> lots of flooding and issues, but while I was there it was a very kind of we did a budget and that was pretty, you know, and we yeah. ran our business and nothing really nothing on fire. Big. Or, yeah. And so when I came to Denton it was right after the fracking man had passed and so there was the I wasn't really working on it at the legislative level, I was doing other sort of things, but I was supporting the team that was working on it. And so just watching that and watching something that big happen here was, you know, just completely fascinating yeah. to to be a part, to get to learn from a policy and an administrative perspective, something that big, something that has affected a community that much. Um, how that happens and how it happens in the local government level and how all of the different, you know, sides and everyone works together. It, it was it was incredible. So I didn't actually get to work on it. I was kind of a spectator. Yeah. But it was, you know, again, just a learning experience to. Yeah. What's kind of your view on not not that specifically, but like the role of the city staff any amount of signatures on any amount of lunacy can become law, but that doesn't make it law under the constitution or the state constitution. Like the, the, in the city government has some sort of priority to push the will of the people forward, but like within a certain framework, right? Am I kind of talking about that right? Or I'm trying to kind of form, uh, that idea of like what's the philosophy for me it's the city manager i mean city manager is my boss so that's who i take guidance from and he takes his guidance from the city council so if there's a consensus if there's a policy that the council says that's what you know this is a project or something we want to work on and it's important to us and and we go through that goal setting process a lot on a number of issues, particularly this time of year as we're talking about how do we fund things in the city's budget, the council gives guidance to the city manager and says, these are the things that are important to us. And then we as staff members, you know, try and make a vision a reality, whatever the issue may be. For me this year, you know, I asked for one thing in the budget. I wanted a a, strate- a new economic development strategic plan. And the council says, yes, we're going to fund it. And then the city manager says, okay, go. Um, and so it's up to me to figure out how to make that vision a reality. So it, gotcha. it doesn't matter yeah. what the issue is. That's kind of how it, it comes to us. So, and you see it as a team effort, city managers, quarterback, basically calling the plays and it's like this, we're going this direction. This is the direction we're going. So, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. 
we, you know, he, we work cooperatively. It is a team, you know, we might see something that the city manager, city council doesn't see and they value staff's opinion. But we also, at the end of the day, you know, when you're, if you're a professional soccer player and if your coach is telling you something, you know, listen. Yeah, um, gotta go do it. And, it and for me, um, you know, there are a lot of people that have a lot of more experience and a lot of different experience. And so when they're kind of saying, hey, look at it this way, or hey, consider this, that's valuable information. Yeah. Um, and it's important information. So after the city manager's office, though, weren't you at DME, Denton Municipal? I worked for a at DME bit. for a while. Uh, that was fun. So. I, and by fun, you mean? <laughs> I mean that I had to carry around a 14-page document of acronyms to understand what people were talking about. Yeah. Um, it's a completely different world. You know, the electric industry is private most places, so we're unique in Texas, um, having a lot of public utilities. And so I, again, in, just sort of on a whim, saw an opportunity, was like, hey, here's something I don't know, chance to learn something new, chance to try something new. And so I went to DME and <laughs> um, learned a lot about electricity, yeah. <laughs> a lot of things that it's I- a, It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean- You're like, surely this won't be a hot button issue or- <laughs> anything controversial or. right um no went to dme but it, it was again you get to have you only get so much time in your life and you don't want to be scared to try something new or something that's outside of your comfort zone or learn something new and it, even in my career i've gotten to keep doing the things like i loved school i loved learning new things and in my career i I love learning new things. And each time I've kind of moved, I, I joke that I feel like I'm studying for a final exam kind of every weekend yeah. because it's something new. And it was like that when I was at DME. I didn't I didn't know what a kilowatt was. Like, I didn't know. Gigawatt <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. And so <laughs> I had to learn and I had to ask engineers and people who were a lot smarter than me of, okay break it down for me walk me through this but that's kind of cool that like you're playing in a domain where you're actually working with something that people use every day that affects everyday life yeah it, it was so fun to get to be involved in i worked on the um the energy program side so things like um helping like business support and oh, cool. helping yeah. like with the energy efficiency programs and conservation programs um, and just really helping the customers. So what my division was the one that operated like our solar rebate program. So as I said, I talked about solar panels a yeah. lot. Now I got to learn about solar panels. Yeah, um, I, I, I might block it off, have it all blocked <laughs> out. I don't, I don't know that I could do it anymore. But I used, I mean, those were the things that I was getting to talk about. And I was yeah. talking to customers and we were talking with, um, you know, hospitals that you have to think about their power can't go off. Yeah, literally. You know, literally people's lives depend on it. Yeah. And so making sure that they had what they need to, to ensure that people could continue to get health care if there was an outage and yeah. stuff like that was what I was working on. So that's cool. It was really fun. Yeah. And. Then I, in, in my time over there, kept 
kind of working in the public information and outreach space. Mm-hmm. And when an opportunity came to come back to City Hall, that's where I went. And I was the city's public information officer, and which is probably the biggest story of actual story of my career. Yeah. So we talked about this maybe already. Did we? Uh, not today, but PIO. The P- I was the PIO and my first day as the city's public talk, uh, information yeah. officer. First day you walk into work and you're making people coffee. And- so the <laughs> first day um, that I was the city's public information officer, my phone rang at three o'clock in the morning and it was the fire chief. No way. The day after Christmas. It was the day after Christmas. No way. That was your first day. It was my first day. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And I had come home early. I had gone to Houston to see my parents on Christmas Day. And I left Christmas Day. Like, I left that evening and said, I want to go home. I wasn't supposed to be back at work till the 27th. The 27th was supposed to be my first official day. Yeah. And uh, I came back early. I was like, this will be great. I'll have a day. I'll oh come up gosh. to the office, move my stuff over, you get settled. You haven't even started. Have not started yet. But your name's on the door. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Right. How and did they even have your number yet? Were they just Because like, I, I had been the backup PIO. Okay, you were the backup. So I knew everybody. I knew all the players. So I, I get home. Oh, it's my like gosh. It's 10 o'clock at night. It's cold. It's rainy. Mm-hmm. And I crawl into bed in my house, and I'm so excited. I'm going to be starting my new job. Going to sleep in tomorrow. Going to sleep in. It's going to be amazing. And my phone rang at 3 a.m., and there was a fire chief. And he said, Jessica, are you in town? I said, yes. So you left your phone on, I guess. Yeah, I left yeah. my phone on. I knew I was on call, but you just never yeah. expect it to. Do you have like a like a bat phone that stays on that's red that is that the phone that he called <laughs> it, it, it was a regular old iphone because i don't know about just leaving my phone on at all hours of the night left it on oh wow um and it ran you know not answered legit. Yeah. yeah i mean you just never think anything and it rings and answer i mean you were moderately ready for it just because your phone was on (laughs) but it was like a very strange kind of out of body conversation and he was like there's a fire downtown i don't know how bad it is i'm on my way oh man i'll call you back in 10 minutes i mean because at that point you get that phone call you get that information and Mm -hmm. you know the history of downtown burning to the ground (laughs) entirely several times in our history right and you don't know how bad it is. You don't know if people are hurt. You don't know if this is like. I have no idea. Something blew up. I mean, you. No idea. No idea. But I knew it was serious enough for the to get the phone call. And you're about to have to be the mouthpiece for the entire city. <laughs> the entire city. And so I, I'm like, okay, I'm up. Like. Yeah. There's I'm, no I'm, going I'm, there's back no to going sleep. Back to after, sleep. Yeah. after this. So you're you know, like, I've, game on. I've gotten like four hours of sleep coming back from vacation. And I was living in a house at the time that I was kind of north of downtown. And okay. so and my house faced directly south. And so, you know, like downtown is a little like you kind of go up Locust Street as you're going north. So yeah, I was a, a little bit elevated. And so I was like, I wonder if. I could see this. I mean, again, I know nothing. And I go to my front porch and I look out my window and I can just see this like glow coming from downtown, 
just like huge light. And I'm like, that's not normal. That's not normal. And about the time the phone rang again, and it was fire chief again. And he was like, I'm going to need you to come down here. Oh my gosh. And he was like, this is bad. Yeah. He was like, I don't know. At the, He's like, I just got here, but we're going to need you to come down here. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah, be prepared to be on the national news. <laughs> right. Oh my so, gosh. No, I mean, God. like the, people were calling me asking because they know I live downtown. Right. I mean, people from around the country were texting me like, yep. are you okay? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. And, and it was big. It, it was, made news. It was huge. And the fire, I mean, thankfully, not thankfully that a building burned down, but thankfully, like all of the visuals looked so much worse than it actually ended like when you watched the video or you saw it in person, it looked so much bigger and so just the, devastating. Yeah. The flames were bigger than the courthouse. Like right. There's that one. I saw it on Twitter of uh, it was from like kind of where Queenie's is facing like up the block facing right. north. It, towering inferno. Right. And every fire truck in Denton County is here. And yeah. it's just, you know, getting to that scene and just going okay like i mean you just kind of flip the switch and you're like whatever it needs to be done you're in like world cup mode yeah i'm here like we'll figure it out and that's what i did for the next like 36 hours straight was answer questions answer calls answer emails talk to business owners talk to um, news stations, talk to anyone and everyone. And my phone did not stop ringing for days. Um, and, you know, I think everyone in Denton, I mean, whether you lived on the square, whether you didn't, like, was just absolutely devastated. Yeah, it was devastating. I mean, it was so sad. It was sad and horrific just to see that right. much property go up in flames and that many lives just... I mean, luckily, no one got hurt. Luckily, no one died. But, like, to see people's lives just change in an instant. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. It was the craziest, like, 48 hours of my life of just, I know, like, and you just are completely focused on the task in front of you, the problem, you know, what is that, you know, you can't solve everything. So what is the one thing I can do right now? If it's answering this email, answering this phone call, answering this question, like I'm going to do it and just everything else kind of stops. And probably knowing that like you doing your job at the highest level is what's going to alleviate some suffering somewhere that someone's, you know, just, not having information is going to make things worse for people. So like, let's provide accurate information as fast as we can and right. all that stuff. Right. And it, and it comes at you so fast from so many different places yeah. and just staying in touch with everybody who has a piece of information and making sure that everyone is safe and accounted for and making sure that, um, you know, did we account for every apartment and every business and, ev- you know, yeah. just constantly and so that was that was that and stuff like that uh, people don't realize how quickly society can like fall apart with something like this what if someone had been blamed for it what if what if a group of people had been blamed or like what if there was like some bad misinformation out there that was completely 
false and inaccurate and horrible that like people got angry and when I, I mean so many bad things could have happened from that and yeah. people really don't think about it because it didn't happen mm -hmm. uh, but i mean we definitely have you to thank for all that information coming out accurately and definitely something to be proud of oh. at that moment so yeah and it's hard to say like hard to be proud of like work in that moment because it is so devastating and seeing people that lost so much in that and businesses that were going to be closed because of that yeah. like it was heartbreaking and having had worked in the city manager's office and knowing like that Jupiter House, you know, I had met Joey and I had known Joey and knowing that that was his business, you know, having a personal connection to that as well, as well as then having had met the shop owners at Lottie Da. That was one of my favorite stores. I'm so happy it's back <laughs> open. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like having these connections, again, back to this small town kind of feel here, you know, I, I had lived downtown. I had, I had, I had known these people. I had seen them. I walked my dog past their shop every day. Yeah. And so it was just kind of the most incredible experience of my career. And I'll, you know, I'll never forget that. Like that will be the one thing that I'm talking about when I'm 75 years old is my first telling, telling the next generation yeah. of local government people, my first day on the job. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I did not know that. You had no. not told me that story before. I hadn't. So, no, um, you did not told me that one. No, That's I, amazing. yeah, that was my first day as the city's public information officer. Wow. And it, it got easier from there. It like did, yeah. that was probably the hardest thing that I did the, for the year that I was the PIO. What'd you learn from all that? Um, I guess you just kind of, I learned probably more about myself and that, you never think you're going to be in those situations. You never think when the phone rings at three o'clock in the morning, like that's what it's going to be. And that like we go through so much training and being, you know, preparing for things like this. And you, you, you want to say you take it really seriously and you do take it seriously, but there's no replicating that feeling when it's real. Totally. And you never know how you're going to react. Yeah. when you get in that situation. And I was just really happy that I was able to kind of stay calm, stay, stay on, you know, stay focused, get the information, help in whatever way I could. And, you know, I kind of have this at the very least, like don't, don't create more work for someone else. And instead of that, I was able to actually reduce work for other people and make their lives easier and make, you know, like you said, just getting people information at that time, like somebody had to be the person that was getting people information. And, and that was me. And that was the most important thing I could do. And just remembering that, you know, sometimes we can lose sight of what we do actually impacts people. Yeah. It impacts their lives. It impacts their businesses. Yeah. And that day, like, it was a very, very clear reminder. Like, you can have an impact. Yeah. And this is why you're trained and this is why you put your head down and do your work because right. you don't know when that phone call is going to come. You never know when that phone call is going to come, which wow. um, in a weird twist of fate. So I'll leave that position. Mm -hmm. I'm starting, you know, in my current role, mm -hmm. um, I had a vacation plan. So I was out of town the f kind of right during the first week of being the director of economic development. So my new, the new PIO is there in his first week. 
and it was the week that the we had the tornado. Oh my gosh! So we have decided so, no more. Yeah. <laughs> no more. <laughs> no new. No new PIOs yeah, for the not, city of Denton. You're not ever hiring for a while. Ever again <laughs> you because never know. You never just, know. Right. And I didn't know yeah. because I was actually at. I was in like the hill country and so i didn't have cell service like i had yeah. no idea and i had kind of woken up the morning after and i finally go- had gone to like a coffee shop or something and got cell service and mm-hmm. saw all of the messages and the stories and i was like oh, oh my, my gosh, gosh. Yeah. so at no more pios that's wild <laughs> that's- well what's kind of cool about denton is like we collectively feel things i think that's mm-hmm. kind of the thing that makes us that sort of community that we find so interesting and, and inviting is that when something bad happens, we kind of all feel it. When something crazy mm-hmm. happens, we kind of all feel it. Like the tomato burning down. That was pretty, that was pretty big for everybody mm-hmm. that was around. I think that was like 2007, maybe, or 2006 mm-hmm. when that happened. Um, yeah, fires really do kind of stick out in the history of Denton. <laughs> been a lot of fires here there's a whole history of like uh things burning down in the 20s that's really fascinating as well but um so you're in uh so you got transitioned into uh economic development and you're there now at that post yes how long you how long have you been there three three months four months four months what are some of the big challenges in that post i mean you've got a lot of it's kind of cool that you've got finance background Mm -hmm. Uh, disaster background uh, and actually yeah. probably being at DME working with uh, users of electricity mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a commercial economic development aspect is right. like how can we provide for you mm-hmm. as a service uh, what are some of the big challenges you you see in your current post um, I think I mean the biggest challenge is the one that we'd kind of be remiss to talk about is that you know, I came into a post following Caroline's passing away, um, and she was a friend and a mentor and someone I met on my first day in Denton. Yeah, she was awesome. And she is has left her mark on this city in ways that I can't even comprehend. I mean, so that's how you got. That's how right. you got into this gig was right. And I mean, Caroline she, passes out of the blue. Yeah, and, and I, you get the phone call. Absolutely heartbreaking, oh. and was you know a a personal loss because she was a friend but a professional loss because she really was a mentor to me and someone who i trusted and if i was having if i needed to talk something through that i could talk to her she was you know smart and courageous and all of these things that i wanted to be in my career and i we had a close working relationship because she had been the business development officer at dme so when i was transitioning to dme oh gotcha she was kind of my mentor there as she was transitioning to economic development. And so it was, I, I, you know, I I kind of have, have been kind of connected to her in my time in Denton. And so I just am so thankful to have had the time that I did to learn from her because I'm seeing, you know, now I, I feel like even more connected to her, even though she's not here because I'm seeing things that, you know, she gave me such guidance and such strength. Yeah. And situations. And so now when I'm looking back and saying, Hey, what would Caroline do? <laughs> you know, what would she do? Yeah. And thinking through that. And it's been, you know, just it's a tough situation and, and I don't think anyone wanted to 
be in this situation but yeah. she was awesome and she, i mean to just talk about her a little more i mean she was so fearless and even like the way we interacted and i mean we we would talk quite a bit about stuff that was happening um but she was never afraid to put her foot down and tell you the what's what for what she believed was fact like she would meet you on the battlefield every single time and we never agreed on 100 percent of everything but i respected the hell out of out of her because she was just so fearless about where she was and so confident and it was it was awesome to see not just how she talked about those issues with me but like how i observed her with other people was the same like she was the same with me as she was with everybody else and it was just so awesome so so you stepped into some pretty big shoes out of nowhere absolutely um (laughs) and what was that like i mean that's you're taking over a department that's just yeah i mean i mean everyone was destroyed i mean everyone everyone's hurting everyone is heartbroken and and so it was one of those things where you kind of have to, you can't not acknowledge it and you can't, you know, I'm thankful that I have this opportunity, but I don't, I didn't want to get it the way that I got it, you know? And so having to acknowledge that and say, you know, guys, we all loved Caroline and we all wish that she was still here. I wish that she was still here, but we're kind of here. So let's do this for her and let's come together for her. And, some of these things that you guys Absolutely. were working on, let's let's see them to the finish line because that's what we do for our friends. Right, and it, man, what a great, what a great motivation to show up, right, and and crush it. Is like, how do we honor the legacy of like, right, one of the greatest people that have walked <laughs> through the greatest city on earth? You know, like, absolutely. How do we, how do, we do that? Absolutely, so, and and that was. Awesome. You know that's it gets it's tough i mean day one it's it's really hard yeah and it gets a little bit easier kind of each day that you're going through that um but there are still days you open up a file and there's notes oh, man. and yeah it's like she's there with us again and so she's still guiding us and so i really have felt that and that's been probably the the biggest challenge but also i mean kind of i mean a really special thing to get to be a part of yeah, as well yeah um it's so, awesome that's a and what yeah. a what a great legacy to be a part of you know what what she worked on what she left but um and how's it been has it been i mean uh you're you're four months out of four the gate months, over there four months in now um and you're back uh working on the budget stuff <laughs> working on the budget. Got, got your spreadsheet going got more spreadsheets and i know what to do with anymore it's a, it's a little bigger than the the mighty town of dickinson it is it is you know <laughs> we we have some department budgets that dwarf um dickinson's whole budget but that's the that's the you know a grow dick uh denton is such a big city compared to 20,000 people, 20,000 people. That's a bedroom community at that with no utilities. So, (laughs) um, but it's been again, kind of, you know, I knew it was going to be a challenge coming into it. Personal things aside, I knew that this was an area I had worked in before I had worked in economic development, but in a much smaller scale and in very isolated ways. 
And so coming in as a department head, it was going to be the first time I'm, you know, supervising a full, not supervising people, but I'm it. I'm the kind of end of the line. I'm the director. (laughs) You can't kind of turn to someone else and say, hey, um, you want to take this one? There's no one else. (laughs) Can't blame anyone for anything that happens here. Um, You have to take, you know, having to take ownership over things, uh, really evaluating things and taking stock of what are, what's our team's assets? What are, what's our weaknesses? What do we have to work on? Um, and in economic development, it's also what's our city's assets? What's our city's weaknesses? Sure. What can we work on together? And getting to kind of combine some of my worlds that I've worked in. So I had been in communications, I'd been in finance, and economic development is kind of where those two things go together. And so I'm out, I'm talking to people, I'm meeting with people, I go back and do my spreadsheets and then (laughs) go back out and talk to people again. Um, And I'm still in what I call my listening and learning phase, um, where I'm, there are people that have been in this community a lot longer than me and people who have been doing this longer. And I just want, what what do you need? What do you need from the economic development department. What is not working? What is working? What can we do better? And I'm so thankful to have people like Erica Pangburn. She's awesome. Coming into the chamber. She's amazing. Um, And kind of two of us being relatively new to our positions and getting together and just saying, let's, let's do something big. Yeah. Like, no, and I think it's kind of cool that, that, I mean, there was kind of this new era in Denton, where there's been a lot of changeover, Denton's growing, and honestly, it's probably good to get some fresh eyes on some stuff, and to get past old things that don't matter anymore for the people that are here, you know, that are leftovers. That you see a lot of that, or I saw a lot of that when I got here. Um, between you know, between between O three and like. 2014 you saw a lot of like oh that's not the way we do things here and it's like why why is that you know no one had a good answer other than it's the way it's always been done which is probably the worst reason to do something you know so there's kind of there's a little bit of a a fresh look that you i mean you're going to be a major part of that in the upcoming years so that's kind of you're in a cool position you're me a ham at the world cup right now (laughs) i i mean i hope so i hope that i get to kind of leave leave a you know, leave something, leave it better than, you know, yeah. what it is now. I mean, that's what you hope for as a public servant, that you make a difference in a positive way. Sure. And there are just so many opportunities here. I mean, I'm busy from the moment I walk in the door every day until I go to sleep at night. And I, I don't mean to say that as a complaint. It is just there are that many things happening in this community and – that's awesome. Fun things and exciting things. And to your point, there are a lot of things happening that are preserving the old and preserving the things that we kind of that make Denton Denton. And then there are the things that are new and different and they're bringing a a, a new kind of asset into our community and bringing a, a maybe something even more unique to our community and getting to work in a department that gets that mix of it's not just new, it's not just old, it's everything. And that's just really fun. It's That's awesome. 
so what kind of inspires you like what do you uh what do you read are you reading anything can you recommend books for anyone or i i took i i did a lot of reading um of economic development handbooks over the last <laughs> i gotta figure out what my job few is few months <laughs> i'm on a book break um i have read a lot of are you inspired by like uh, how to do economic development i was yeah. i was very inspired by it when okay. you're learning your job you can be you can be okay. inspired by anything okay. um but for me i guess right now what i'm most inspired by is you know i'll i'll walk downtown or i'll make an effort i'll go to have lunch somewhere on another side of town and just kind of sit and listen to people and i'll bring my laptop and i'll just kind of work and just be quiet and just hear what people are talking about and um, it sounds really creepy when you say it like that, but just listening to what people in Denton care about, yeah. um, what's important to them, and um, just trying to be responsive to what the needs are of people. But yeah, you know, book wise, there's there's no book on being the economic development director in Denton. Unfortunately, it's it's not something you can read up on. <laughs> and, and and have a handle on it you really have to talk to people i bet there are no podcasts about it either yeah that's something i kind of found when i was starting this was it's you know it's from a commercial real estate perspective mm -hmm. but do a search for commercial real estate podcasts there's like five and each of them are three episodes long because there's not that much to it you know right so yeah there's not much that i can imagine it's kind of the same thing it's like economic development it, it it is what it is it's not gonna they're gonna be like it's not a lot of content of like what are we doing here it's just sort of like you know this is what we do uh it's more the relationship and like yeah. how do we figure out what the direction is and how do we get there and what sort of tools do we have in the toolbox and that's it right you know? and that's kind of the <laughs> so the funniest thing about it is you get this kind of you know you're learning these are everything that you these are the tools that are used to do economic development yeah, generally the, the because, and the tips right here's all of here's more yeah. acronyms yeah. and that you can learn how to do and here's the law of how to do this and the law of how to do that and here's best practices and all those things and then under like each one there's always the statement of like but do what works best for your yeah. community. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like that other duties as assigned line on your job description right. is that will always be the thing that consumes the most amount of time yeah. because that's the most important thing. I can't try and use some tool that works in Dallas if it's not going to work here. Yeah. And it's great to have those. And there are always, you know, we want to explore and know what we can use and be aware of everything that we can use, but we do at the end of the day have to do what's best for Denton. Yeah. And that is that little line of go figure out what's what works for your community. And that's where the relationships and talking to people and getting to know people and getting to know businesses and what their needs are and you know, what are they seeing? What challenges are they having? Because we know if we know what's out there, we know the universe of things that are available to us then we can build what works here. Yeah. So current events, uh, what's, can you, I read an article mm -hmm. on Razor Ranch, I think like what came out on Sunday. Can you explain in layman's terms for me, what is going on over there? Um, they're developing it. There's some yes. tours or whatever in that area. Pid. 
PID. It's a PID. Public Public Improvement, Improvement District. Improvement District. Can you? It's so funny because these things last years, mm-hmm. and you may have known it at one time, but now an article comes out and it's like, wait a minute, what is going on over there? Can you, can you get us up to speed on what's happening with sure. Razor Ranch and Red Development? So. The Razor Ranch Public Improvement District is just on is a is an area that is designated on the south side of US 380. So the area like where the Embassy Suites is, Alamo and Draft House, Alamo Draft House, one of so my favorite places. That on the planet. <laughs> so that area is has been in a public improvement district, and what that public and the convention center is included mm-hmm. in the. It's okay. all in inside the district. Cheddars rooms to yes. go. Yes. Okay. Now there's some areas on the south side that aren't, but between Heritage Trail, um, Panhandle, I-35, and 380, that is the public improvement district. They are, and are we including the village apartments? The the multi yes. Okay. Yes. Including the that. ones that are almost open. Almost done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what a public improvement district does is the developer in this case, and it can be done a little bit different way, but in this case, the developer has actually built public improvements, roads, water lines, sewer lines, things that will become the city's assets. They paid the tab. They paid for them. Yeah. They installed them. And so instead of the city issuing bonds, instead of the city you know, spreading the cost of that over taxpayers throughout the city, we allow the, a public improvement district to essentially assess the costs of those improvements to the property owners in that district. Mm-hmm. So instead of a homeowner. So to the developer. To the develop. Well, yeah. in this case, it's the property owners. Or the owner, yeah. The owners of the property within the district. So if you are uh, in property owner X inside the district, you have been, you have gained a benefit from the developer installing a road and a water line and a sewer line that benefits your business. And so you can't do business without this stuff. Can't right. Can't do business without that. And so the city didn't do it. The developer did it. We, as the city then collect an assessment, just like we would collect our property tax on those properties. And then we pay the developer back Mm -hmm. for putting in our road, our water line, our sewer line. And when you say that, you mean, uh, instead of collecting taxes from them they still pay they still pay they all still the, pay, the pay all their property this is over and above okay over and above that yeah okay so if the city council approves so the public improvement district has been created okay but it hasn't assessed any like it hasn't assessed the levy the charge on those properties yet so that's the process we're going through right because now because it's not done yet or because it's not fully developed or no, it just it's just not in that process we just right? hadn't taken that step yet to levy those assessments and, that's and, just where we are in the process so explain levying the assessment what is that 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 means you put in 200 million dollars worth of stuff that means so we're at the point now or, the developer has kind of given us this is the cost of the improvements okay so now what we do is you essentially amortize them okay. over the property owners okay. and say for the next 30 years, you pay X number of dollars per year. And each year you make that payment, we are reimbursing the developer for the cost of that road, water line, and sewer line. It's a loan. It's essentially a loan. Over a set amount of people in mm-hmm. the improvement district. Right. That's getting re- repaid. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to the developer, basically. They spent right. the money that the city would have spent. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah, okay. So it's like a loan to the city, basically, kind of. Or, hang on. <laughs> yeah, who's paying for it? The developer's paying for it. <laughs> I'm so confused. I get it, but I don't at the same time. I'm sure other people don't either. So <laughs> I'm just, it's for your benefit, the listener. <laughs> so the developer pays for it. Right. But the city pays them back because the, the city paid, would have had to have done pay, it. Right. But didn't. They we, did. Right. The developer did it. Gotcha. And it's a tool to get it, to get, you know, infrastructure got in more quickly. Right. Um, the developers were able to develop accordingly to, that matches their kind of needs. And also the and, risk is on the developer now, right? Right. And so they. Because the city gets it. Right. And taxpayers then, so say you live, you never go to Razor Ranch. You're not having to pay for infrastructure that benefited right. only Razor Ranch. And so that's uh, why the public. Yeah, okay. So only those properties that are really benefiting from those improvements are in the PID. And gotcha. they're paying the assessments because they're the ones who are benefiting. So you don't really pay it unless you go to Razor Ranch and go to a movie at Alamo Draft House and then pay the. I mean, you're paying it through sales tax, I guess, right? Or is no, that? Or? I mean, how each business chooses to pay it, how they pass it on to the consumers is is it's up to them. It's yeah. up to them, and that's part of their calculation. So right, but the property owner is the one who's paying it. So gotcha. Okay, that yeah. clears a lot up. Yeah. Actually, that's fascinating. So, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for the city's perspective, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a great tool to be able to, I mean, to do a lot of things. Um, they're pretty commonly used for this type of development to right. get kind of the public infrastructure without the city having to sh kind of wear the burden of the upfront cost the developer mm -hmm. is. Um, you it, know, so it, make, it makes sense. Now, whether or not, you know, city council chooses to move forward with that assessments or, or not, you know, it is entirely up to them. Oh, okay, because we're kind of in the middle of the we're process. We're in the middle still. of the process still. Gotcha. So, and that was kind of the article that came out. Right. Was like, there's some changes in ownership. I think over there. Or? Right. So, Red Development had owned it for a few number. They weren't the original developer, but they've been the developer for for a while, and yeah. they recently sold it to another another developer who's going to kind of finish it out. Gotcha. Yep. So that's what in the while we're in this process of changing developers and. Um, finishing up the pit and, and getting things, you know, everything done out there that there's just a lot moving, a lot of those moving pieces. So w when the developer buys it from the previous developer, mm -hmm. is it part of the sale that they're still under this pit? I mean, it, it follows the property. It's got to, right? Right. So yeah. the new developer has been involved in, in the public. So, Okay. All three developers of Razor Ranch are involved in the in the PID process. So, wow. okay. Yeah. So. so, the city's perspective, what data do you look at to determine if like this is a good bet or not? Or is it always a good bet because It's not it's not always a good bet. So, okay. like PIDs are one of those things that it's a tool in your toolbox and you want to make sure it makes sense. Um one of the things that PIDs have to do. So they're called public improvement districts. They have to build public improvements. Got to improve some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's not something that's going to be public, then 
a PID doesn't make sense because it's you wouldn't be able to use it to pay for things. So Got it. if it was like a private headquarters, right? Yeah, so you can do it, or like Toyota built a factory, maybe. right? Yeah, because it has to be something like a road or a sewer system, water line. There's some other things. There's a big long statute that outlines all of these things that you can do that are considered legal, eligible uses of them. But there, gotcha. there are ways they make sense, and there are ways that they don't. Um, we have a PID policy in the city. And so if someone comes in and says, I want a PID, that's my first place I go is go make sure that it meets all of the criteria. Oh. And uh, is that an internal policy thing or is it like? Nope. City you, Council adopted. Developer can look it up and you be like, oh, we're thinking about this. You Let's absolutely can out. look it up. That's fascinating. Yeah. PID policy. A PID policy. That's awesome. Yeah. So you obviously didn't decide to do this one, but on the face of it, obviously economic development department of the city of Denton mm -hmm. thinks, oh, this is a good idea. We should continue down this road and do this and develop this, uh, this so, area. Right. At this point, we're just carrying forward commitments that have been made. Sure. So the PID process, there's a prescribed process under the law. That's kind of what we're going through right now is awesome. we're submit we're verifying um they have to submit a very interesting document called the service and assessment plan mm -hmm. which <laughs> essentially outlines um how they're paying for what the pit assessments are going to be used for that we verify that they actually made public improvements that were eligible under the law that the properties that are going to pay for them are the properties that are benefiting from them. Um, so at this point, we're kind of just going through very administrative tasks and just verifying that the law is followed. And so our obligation at this point as the staff is to take take that forward. Gotcha. We're just kind of checking boxes and saying, yes, it's legal. Yes, we agree with this methodology or yes, we agree with this calculation. Um, and then we move it forward to city council to make the final decision on it. What's your take on the, I mean, I guess it's a, a lot of people's opinion. Uh, and a lot of this is kind of keyboard cowboy armchair quarterback mm -hmm. that the development there has been slower than what they thought it was going to be. What's your take on that? Is it as slow or is it just pe people are building what they can at the time or cause I remember seeing the whole concept drawing with the the band shell and the, the community area seemed like pretty long ago um is what's your take on that yeah i would say that i think the original development kind of came about right before the 2008 recession right i think is the timing on that and so there was sort of this we're gonna move forward and then sort of the rug kind of got pulled out from under everybody and yeah, things kind of stopped right for and like development three or four years right, at least kind of just stopped yeah. and so at that point i think there was sort of a, a a stall out in the in all development not just razor development but we didn't see a lot of new development at that time and and from there you know the development changed hands with who was the develop property developer and they kind of then put together their plan and then it took time for them to market and and prepare that and build everything and so i i mean there are lots of things in motion i think the developers are being really aggressive now on trying to get tenants and and getting the development 
complete and so that we have a big retail center. And also, you know, commercial follows rooftops and we're just now seeing rooftops get built. And, you know, you've got the village right there. You've got Mm -hmm. stuff on kind of the north west end. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of development down the road um, on both sides of the highway. And so it could have been like, hey, let's kind of wait until we get some rooftops around here and then we can land yeah. the land the stuff that people want to buy because it doesn't happen the other way around. Like we're not going to get a Trader Joe's until we have rooftops and the median income. It's just not going to happen. Right. People, people think that signing that petition online is going to get Trader Joe's here. Got news for you. It is. It isn't Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> there's a lot of spreadsheets, but there's kind of the one we all kind of talk about when commercial or retail, like the one three five rule. Like everyone is looking at what are your demographics within one mile, three miles, and five miles. Yeah, and that's what developers are looking at. That's it. And it's a pin on a and, on a map to everybody. And, you know, yeah. from my perspective, is always you know anyone can kind of do that. Do that analysis. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. My job is always going, yeah, but Denton is great for all of these <laughs> other reasons. And have you looked at this? And yeah, maybe it's maybe you need to move that out to a ten mile, and you're you'll get something else. And our, what is our trade zone for this? And sure. yeah, and I've yeah. got a theory about that too. So we're we're skewed a little low because of grad students, grad students, and uh, um, we've got a lot of zero income mm-hmm. earners that kind of skew us lower. But I think what that's done for Denton is it's actually kept kind of the bigger guys away for a little bit. And you've got more kind of mom and pop local guys able to occupy space that normally they wouldn't be able to get in that scene at that level. So maybe some of that has given us kind of the strong locally owned businesses that we that we have now. I mean, we've got, got some cool stuff going on here. Oh. Even without having the big guys coming in. And I tell you, I love Alamo Draft House. I'm there like every weekend. It's like my favorite place on the planet right now. And but, I love every movie theater in Denton. Yeah. Every single good, one of them. Good answer. I do too, actually. I, I, I love going to the movies. That's like yeah. my favorite thing in the world is going to the movies. I saw, I saw what was it? Bad Boys this weekend. <laughs> so good. Like a throwback. One of the throwback it's middle what? schoolers that are like horrendous. Oh, I th- I was thinking like Will Smith, <laughs> bad, bad boy. Wasn't <laughs> like, that the name of that one? Like a throwback. Like, yeah, yeah, like one of the. Or maybe it's called Good Boys. Good no, boys. I think it's called Bad Boys. But, yeah, like I was they thinking curse of like lot. the Martin Lawrence. No, well, <laughs> like that's what I was thinking. I was like, <laughs> that's funny. Well, well, that's awesome. Well, what is in store for Denton in the future? What do we got going on? Oh goodness! Uh, what do we not have going on? Um, there's Can we so- just not have anything burned down or ha- like no more tornadoes? Let's- no more tornadoes. No more yeah. fires. Yeah, Absolutely, just- knock on wood everywhere. Yeah, um, we need a couple of years of just cruise control. Just let's. Yeah. Well, we're really excited about a lot of things happening. I mean, we do have the big commercial developments like Razor Ranch and really that whole corridor out there. We have a lot of industrial, a lot of industrial growth um, happening, crazy out there, which is also great. Um, But we also have just thriving, like you said, thriving local business owners 
everything from local restaurants, local shops, you know, come downtown and enjoy everything that Denton has to offer. But other, I mean, all over the city. I mean, it's not just downtown. There's really local places anywhere you go in Denton all over. And it's it's great. I I spend <laughs> a lot of time spending my tax dollars in, in Denton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to look back at this time as a real golden era of, you know, I mean, we got concept restaurants opening up here that are that have multiple locations now outside of Denton. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I mean, there was an era of like Austin where it's like Chewy's was the local, you know, restaurant. Right. You know, I think we could uh, be looking back uh, very fondly of the days we're living right now. So it's cool that you're part of it. No, I'm excited to be here, and I want to see Denton just grow and th- thrive and the best Denton it can be. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. Sure. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap. Jessica Rogers, Economic Development Director, City of Denton. Awesome conversation. Awesome lady. Really enjoyed it. Hope you did too. See you next time.